Amen. If you wanted to give a title to today's teaching, it's Cardiac Arrest. Cardiac Arrest. Or how to help or prevent cardiac arrest. So Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. If we read it together, we don't have to read it out loud, but just your eyes. You can read along. It says, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence. It's one of my favorite words, diligence. For out of it springs the issues of life. Another version says, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Now the heart. The heart's interesting. It's been with humans as long as humans have been around. So it's been around a long time. Thank you for the one. If if that was a cough, if someone laughed, I appreciate the laugh on that one. Let me tell you some things about the heart. The average heart is about the size of a fist, of an adult fist, if you didn't know that. Your heart will beat about 115,000 times each day. So it's a great thing that it's not one of those voluntary muscles, right? It's involuntary because you don't have to think 115,000 times a day. Beat, 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 beat. Actually, no, if it was going that fast, you would have problems. It's more like beat, 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 right? The, if you ever, it's da, 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 staying alive, right? That's the medical, the, CP, the, the you know, chest compressions. Um, it's at that beat of that song, you want to stay alive. 115,000 times each day. That's a lot. Your heart pumps, pumps about 2,000 gallons of blood every day. 2,000 gallons of blood goes through the heart and pumps through your body. If you extended the veins, which is from how your heart gets blood through your whole body, it would stretch about 60,000 miles. You have about 60,000 miles of blood, veins, arteries running through your body. That's a lot. I almost think whoever wrote this statistics, and I did get it from like a medical place just to make sure it wasn't lying to me, but that sounded like a lot. 60,000 miles. Most heart attacks, if you didn't know this, today is Sunday, so you're good, but most heart attacks happen on Mondays. I, for whatever reason. <laughs> no one wants to go to work, I guess. The day that is the most common to have a heart attack, this one was a little bit shocking, was Christmas Day, the most common day of the year for heart attacks. So you got some months to prepare, so this, this Christmas you're going to be healthy. You're not, gonna, not to you. Differences of hearts, a woman's heart beats slightly faster than a man's heart. Makes sense. There's, right, enough. All right. Uh, <laughs> studies have shown that laughing, see, you're doing something that's good for your heart. Laughing is good for your heart. It reduces stress and it gives a boost to your immune system. Your heart is an organ that affects every part of your body including emotional and physical. So even your emotional and physical health are both very important to maintaining a good and healthy heart. So if you're not convicted already, (laughs) I need to do some exercise after reading all this. That's an important organ, our heart. There's a medical condition known as a broken heart. A broken heart. I don't know if you knew that. And it's usually caused when stress goes through the roof, your stress level gets really high, you can have this condition called a broken heart. Now, law enforcement, fire, 
first responders, um, these uh, uh, professions that confront evil every day. They're, I mean, you know, when it talks about guarding your heart, I don't know how you could do it without the Lord because the amount of things that you have to deal with are at an abnormal level. They're higher than most people. Uh, there's emotional trauma, right? Emotional trauma. And sometimes it doesn't have to be, you know, something uh, very large. But for you, it could be still traumatic. A death of a spouse, you know, abuse, mental, physical abuse, post-traumatic stress disorder. All these things, they increase your chance of heart attack and heart death. Now, you're, if you're wondering, it's been, been about five minutes and you're saying, okay... Now we got a little bit medical class, and you, I understand, but we're not going to talk about the physical heart, but it's just as important to talk about, man, the heart of who we are, right? It's that center of who we are, and it affects all aspects of our life. It, is, it, it affects your motor skills. It affects what you do, your decision-making, the heart of who you are. Your life depends on it. It's a survival thing. If you don't take care of your spiritual heart, you will have issues in your life. Just as if you don't take care of your physical heart, you're more likely to, uh, you're a more likely candidate for cardiac arrest, and you don't want to be that. And so, spiritually, it's the same thing. Now, there's something uh, called the law of first mentions, and it's something that people who study, and as you study the Word of God, it's, it's good to look at, because you would figure that as something first gets mentioned in the Bible, the first time, it gets brought up, there should be some importance to it. It's the first time it's mentioned. So when it comes to the heart, the first time the heart is mentioned, maybe you would think it said something like, the heart is a beautiful thing, so follow your heart and your dreams will come true. Right? Wouldn't that sound like a beautiful first thing to say about the heart? But it doesn't. Genesis chapter 6, you could put your finger in Proverbs 4, but we're going to be skipping around. Genesis chapter 6 Verse 5, this is the first time heart is mentioned in the Bible. First time heart is mentioned. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. It says, then the Lord saw wickedness. He saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. So unlike today. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. So the first time this word heart mentioned in the Bible, it's in the context of saying there's wicked stuff happening. And then I don't know how detailed is the thoughts of the intents. Is that the intents of the thoughts? Like that's, that's pretty, pretty detailed. Even the smallest part. And, and some of us, we've maybe said this ourselves or heard someone say, when I hear someone say this, I get scared a little bit for them. I'm not going to lie. No, but you know my heart. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's the problem. It says, man, your heart, it's, it's, there's wickedness that, gets come, that comes out of it, that's in it. I think Jeremiah says our heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Man, but our beautiful heart, you know, and we do the little thing and we take pictures Wicked, and then you know, there's a city behind it. Now you're going to rethink your heart when you think, man, there's wickedness in our hearts. 
But why at the same time as this wickedness, there's a symbol of, of love. The heart is also a symbol of love. And it's interesting how there's always going to be this fight. There's always going to be this battle. And it's a battle over your heart. They're both trying to get it. Uh, the world, the enemy, Satan, he wants it. But so does the Lord. He wants it. Proverbs has said, man, to guard your heart, keep your heart. But we saw there that even the evil imaginations is another translation there in Genesis 6. Imaginations, just these things that the mind comes up with out of the heart, people do them. There's apps, you know, that not just is there wickedness and evil that wants to lurk around, but it wants to lurk around in the darkness. And so there's apps out there that help hide the things you do on your phone, you know, incognito mode and other apps that look like, oh, I'm just using a calculator where I'm really doing something else. And, and all these evil things that they lurk around and they want to be hidden. They don't want to be exposed. You want to be okay? Just walk in the light. Just let people know, hey, here's what's going on in my life. If you can do that, you're, 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 you're pretty good. You're doing pretty good. But So you got these things designed, especially for kids, to hide things from parents, to hide things from teachers. Now, you might think, well, yeah, that's, you know, there's kids and, and there's young people and, and older people, but there, there, there's these hidden things that are being done. But here as parents, man, we're going to uh, not allow that in our home. We're going to stand for righteousness. Now, you know, there's, how about those parents, though, that not just is there evil things going on around and in the house, and, but they join their kids in the evil things, right? Your parents smoking joint with their kids. Buying the drugs for them, drinking with them. Oh, I'd rather them be with me than be out in the world, we hear. And so they're joining these, these, these things with their kids, doing this evil parents and kids together doing it. And not willing to stand for the truth, accepting the sinful activities going on, paying for the children to do the sinful activities. Would any of you go and buy some... Uh, uh, cocaine for your kids and say, yeah, man, I'll, here you go. I, just, I paid for it. I don't, I don't want you to struggle with it. Now, we, I, I don't think anyone would do that. Why, why would we buy our kids this addictive, uh, manipulating drug that's going to just tear you down, make you feel terrible, you know, want to suck you in further? And, but we're not even aware that it's already here. It's already there. And maybe some of us and don't be condemned, be convicted to at least stop for a moment and think about the things we do. But there are parents joining. There's an article, CNBC, I saw an article on September 14th. The title read, Facebook documents somehow, I mean, show how toxic Instagram is for kids. You know, Facebook bought Instagram. So Facebook, Google, and Apple own your whole life. But um, how harmful it is for teens, an article out of the Wall Street Journal it's reporting on. Some of the main points of the article said Facebook has repeatedly found that its photo sharing app, Instagram, is harmful to a significant percentage of teenagers, according to this Wall Street Journal published on Tuesday, September 14th. You could look it up. Another one of the main points that the journal cited was that there are studies over the past three years that have examined how Instagram affects its young user base with teenage girls being the most notably, and he used the word, harmed. 
their own internal reports finding harmful effects from it. 32% of girls, it says, said that they felt bad about their bodies. Instagram, they said, made them feel worse. It said, this article, that there's aspects of Instagram like the Explore page, which serves users' curated posts from a wide range of accounts, not ones they subscribe to, and can push users into content that can be harmful. One of their solutions was, well, if we better alter this algorithm, that if we see someone going down a dark, not good, curated post topics, we would suggest other things to maybe get them out of that rut. Which, if you think about it, it's like saying, you know, here's this drug, I got this cocaine, I know, we keep using the cocaine, I just, I do it in a different way and it'll be better for them. It's cocaine is cocaine, the drug is the drug. Now what if, what if believing in the Lord Jesus, what if the person is diving deep into all they're doing is looking up scriptures, looking up pastors, reading teachings, what if that's considered not good? Look how deep they're diving into the word of God, into, you know, serving and, well, let's just suggest other things to them. I don't think that that's a good solution. Uh, Facebook, as said, concluded that a large percentage of teenagers aren't, are negatively harmed by Instagram, aren't negatively harmed. But according to the journal, though, the, uh, it says that the features of this social media company that identified as the most harmful features are part of their key makeup. So that's their struggle to find, to keep their user base, and yet try to fix the problem. They've known about this. We've known about this. I gave a teaching here a while back ago about the, 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 the comparison between some of these addictive things like video games. The good, good video games are made to keep you coming back for more. Just like the good drug. That's what it's made for. And it releases that dopamine, that, that chemical your brain produces, put there by God for you to experience pleasure. God put it there. But it's made and it abuses it to the point where it has to become callous because if not, it'll get overloaded. So then you have to get more of whatever the issue or the thing you're doing to then still feel the pleasure. And it keeps going in that cycle till your parent just unplugs the video game and you go berserk. Right? Or, or, or all of a sudden, internet is cut off from the house. Remember, my parents had a cabin in North Carolina. And I, I was like, why would you want internet? It's the mountains. There is a hundred billion things to do. And everyone wanted internet because they wanted to go online. And it's like, guys are boring. And they would say I was boring until I made a slide down a hill. I got blue tarps and I cut a groove in the grass and I put baby, you know, soap and water and we slid down the hill. Now it was fun. But we got to get off the phone to come up with that stuff. You got to get creative. But there's fun out there. Anyways, the issues of life, they come up. These are modern-day issues of our life. Several years ago, we just went through September 11, and this is what's going on in the world. While we're battling over all sorts of silly things, our, there's towers that went down here in our country. While in other countries, towers, the highest towers in the world are being built. Our towers are coming down. Towers in other places are going up. Pandemic affecting the entire world. 
I don't think there's ever been in history, except for sin, something that has affected the entire world at once. Laws, orders. You talk to someone in Zimbabwe, and I guarantee they're going to talk to you about all the things going on with COVID-19. It's affecting the entire world. It's worldwide, and I don't think that's ever happened. Things will never be the same, by the way, from what we once knew. If your hope was that things would go back to some way it used to be, it's permanently changed. We, we got to, Lord, what do you have for us now? Forget what, how it used to be. Forget what it's going to be. What do you have for us right now? Because if your hope is in a world change, it changed. There was a, a, this week uh, issues with the support of Israel's Iron Dome defense missile system, which is a super cool. If you, ever, if you have no idea what that is, phenomenal cool looking device and it tracks the rockets being shot and it takes them out and there was issues with funding on that and I don't know if it got resolved or not but I know there was issues with it and that's the tactic of the enemy he wants us to be all distracted and he's very good at it he's very good at spinning things to his benefit while there is world events aligning with biblical events prophesied Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel 38. These things are all happening before our eyes. And we're here arguing over mask, no no mask, Instagram, Facebook, vaccine, gender confusion, marriage. I think a couple years ago it was who can use what bathroom. We're arguing and figuring all these things out while world events way bigger than these issues are going on all around us. But we're stuck and we're like right here. We don't see it. Then, you know, it entered recently the sports competitions. Who can compete where? What's the right levels of this substance of your body that would allow you then, you know, a male to compete in a female sport? It's, on a side note, it was very upsetting watching the Olympics weightlifting competition on the women's division. There was a, it was just upsetting. I, for me, being transparent, we got to be transparent with each other. It was very difficult. I saw martial arts match same thing it was very difficult to see it was just did not feel right it wasn't right but anyway we're getting distracted with all these things who can fight who who can compete against who let's run who doesn't uh. and at the same time souls are being lost things are happening worldwide that should be catching our attention more than some of these things but the evil imaginations they're endless and they come from genesis there as it said man an evil heart The heart is the place where these things come out of in our life. In Ruth chapter 1, you don't have to go there, but it says that in the times when the judges ruled. It's interesting. I heard a commentator mention this, and I thought it was interesting, worth mentioning. In the time when the judges ruled, if you look at Judges, the last chapter, it said that in the time when the judges ruled, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And in our country, I talked to a lawyer friend of mine, and I don't know if we could say that the judges are ruling, but there's definitely a shift of focus from the judges. And there's more attention on the judges because now there are a lot of activist judges trying to make judgments with their form of wanting a certain way to go or not. And so definitely there's been more attention on the judges, I would say, in recent times and maybe in some other times. Now, I don't know if it's the time of the judges here in America, but it definitely is the time where everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes. 
Everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes. No central place of authority. It said there in Judges that there was, in the times when the judges ruled, it says there was a famine in the land. And there's a famine in the land. There is. There's a famine for authority, the word of God as the authority. Now, if you're wondering why, if you're wondering why, it's because if man goes without the word of God, if we go without the word of God, we're going to go down these paths of darkness. Right there in Proverbs 4, you look at the last verse, verse 27, it says, Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. Now, I get the privilege of doing lighthouse ministry here at the, in the mornings every day. I share devos with the kids. And we're going through Proverbs chapter 4. So I, we had a little illustration on Friday. Um, with this verse, verse 27. So, two seconds to get the illustration. The evil bucket. More doing. Evil. And it says, man, you don't turn to the right or the left. It's very simple. If I can keep my eyes and I can walk, I'll be fine. Evil's right there. I'm, I'm going to be around it, but I'm not going to step in it. But if I start getting distracted, and then I step, and man, your foot's in evil now. But this is what we try to do. You know, a lot of times, we try to hide it, and we're like, there's nothing here. And then you're walking, and everyone sees what is wrong with you, and you're about to fall, you're tripping, you're like, nope, nope, nothing. Well, no, my, yeah, cool new orange shoes I got. And you're trying to pretend like there's nothing there. There's evil. You stepped in it. It's very simple. All you got to do is remove your foot from evil. Walk away from it. That's it. Don't try to pretend it's not there. you got a big old orange bucket on you. Just walk away from it. Remove our foot from evil. As we guard our hearts, one of the first things we got to do when we guard our hearts is just walk away from that evil. Yeah, we, sometimes you step in the wrong place. You turn to the right. You turn to the left. Man, just get out. Remove your foot from evil. That snare. Do not follow your heart, right? Ponder, verse 26 in Proverbs, it said to ponder the path of your feet. Let your ways be established. And, and that's one of the things that God has been showing me lately too, is to ponder, to stop, to think. Stop being a key word. Sometimes you got to stop. You know, uh, a while back ago, we had the Godsway radio event, and it was going to rain, and the clouds, and the radar, and everyone, did you see the clouds and the radar? It's going to rain. And, and I was just convicted myself, and I kept challenging everyone who wanted to show me the radar that day and how much it was going to rain. Like, did you stop from the moment you woke up today and had the thought, oh, my goodness, it's going to rain. Did you stop? And actually pray? Or have you just been thinking about the rain, looking at the radar of the rain, and all your, it's raining, raining? No, we need to stop. We need to think and ponder. We need to pray. We need to take that. It's an action. It, does, it doesn't just happen. It says there, keep, that word keep, to guard from danger. There's an idea of loyalty, putting a gate around it with a lock. On your heart. Do you guard your heart that way? Keeping evil from coming in. We must keep evil away. We must guard our hearts. 
In Luke 24, 32, it said, did not our heart burn within us? This is Jesus and the, talking to the guys down the road. He says, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? Heartburn, right? Yeah, heartburn. Did not our heart burn? What makes your heart burn? Just, it, man, is it the scriptures? Because if not, Nothing will. The scriptures make your heart get light on fire. And you feel, Lord, you're burning this message into my heart for me to do something about it. Matthew 12, 35 says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. So if we reached into your heart right now, or you reached into your own heart right now and scooped up, what, what, what would be in your hand? What, what are you scooping up? What have you been putting in that heart? What have you been allowing in? What, what are you scooping up? What's in there? What's really in there? Is it the latest Facebook or Instagram post? Is it a program or a game or the next level or a certain website? What's in that special place? What's in that home? What's in that computer? What's on that phone? Is it that bottle? Is it, is, it, is it the device? What is it? Is it that fine-looking car? See? Some of you already had your mind going somewhere. Is it the car? Is it the possessions? What is in that heart? Guard your heart. James Fawcett, a com Bible commentator, said, It's like taking it into custody, arrested. You know, I, I was showing the kids the other day, too, how you arrest someone. Not like, but you kind of. Like, when, the point is that you do it, you don't do it like, oh, come here, vamos a la carta, No, you, you grab it, you secure it, you, you, you put it in a position where it can't run away, and you make sure that that thing won't move, and you, you handcuff it, and you put it, and if you... If you get distracted, it's good run. It's it's running. Evil, you gotta. It's under arrest. I gotta guard my heart in that way. No, I'm gonna guard this thing. It is not going. Nothing's coming in. I'm gonna make sure I'm on duty. It's interesting. In the middle of all those prophecies in Ezekiel 37 and 38 that are happening before our very eyes, it says, "Prepare yourself and be ready." You and all your companies that are gathered about you, be a guard for them. Not only do you got to guard your heart, but it says you got to be the guard for them too. We together are the guard for our families, for the society that we live in. We're, we're, we're guards for those as well. And as individual guards get let down and evil comes into our heart, as a whole we're going to go down that same way. We must guard our heart. Let me tell you a quick little story. David Livingston, and it has to do with the heart. And what must happen to someone's heart to do the decisions that this guy, David Livingston, made? He was a graduate, a doctor, married, had children, living in Europe. Nice life, good life. And began to be just stirred in his heart to go to Africa as he heard there's a group that has never heard of the gospel, never had the gospel proclaimed to them, and he decided to go out. I think he took, it says, about three extensive expeditions through Africa. 
He wasn't the best missionary, didn't have a lot of converts. It wasn't like he showed up, they put a stage, lights, music, people prayed, and all of a sudden, another 1,500 souls gave. No, but he was there, and he gained the people's trust and his loyalty and his steadfastness. So whether they believed in the God he was proclaiming or not, they, they, he gained their trust. He stood there thick and thin through sicknesses. There's a story where he gets mauled by a lion. Two guys, are, a lion comes into the camp, attacks two guys. He tries to intervene. His shoulder gets ripped apart, and he stayed there. His wife and kids ended up going back to Europe, and he stayed. And his wife said, I know you need to stay. I know your mission is not done. And he continued there, and he tried to bring different things to those people. It said that in his tenacity, his diligence of not stopping, is how they found and discovered Victoria Falls. And as they see it, and they were all blown away, him and everyone, he told them, this God that I told you created you, he created this, he created it. And they were blown away just at the majesty of it. it says, I think the mist of Victoria Falls, you can see it 20 miles away there in Africa. And, and the story goes that um, one time... Uh, and he would give these kind of messages. His medicine chest was stolen. And they wanted to find and, uh, you know, kill the thieves that stole it. He said, no, man, we're going to be shackled. And, his, you know, he was a big uh, uh, setting slaves free. He was, uh, whatever that word is now. It's, yes, he was an abolitionist. But he said, man, we must forgive them. We must forgive them or we're going to be shackled. And the story, his, his life ends, he has dysentery and malaria. And uh, one of the men comes into the room and finds him. And he's, you know, in his bed in a kneeling kind of position up on his bed or kneeling on the floor with his body resting on the bed. And when he comes and touches him by the shoulder, he kind of just fell over and he was dead. And he was found to uh, have died in that prayer while being sick, while they're saying, go to sleep, you need to rest, he was there on his knees. And the story goes that in order to transport him and the uh, embalming process and all that, they had to remove his heart. And they buried it there in the camp by a tree. And so years later, I mean not years later, months later, when they finally got his body, he was buried in Westminster Abbey on April 18, 1874. But it was said that though his body was buried in England, his heart remained in Africa. So our heart, man, we are wimps. We're wimps. What stirs our heart? You know, these little things, they control us sometimes. But man, that we would take action. These things, this, this kind of expeditions, these kind of actions, they take action. They take decisions. It doesn't just happen. Several Closing statements. I didn't say we're near the closing. These are just statements on the way to closing. So, These are some statements about your heart that the Bible says, okay? Keeping and guarding your heart for you to know some of the verses, some of the things that talk about our heart. Your heart could be troubled and your heart can doubt. You could write these down. We're just going to read through them. Luke 24, verse 38 says, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your heart? Your heart could be troubled. Your heart could doubt. Your heart could be defiled. Matthew 15, 18. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. Your heart could be defiled. Your heart can have sorrow. 
Sorrow can fill your heart, John 16, 6. Because I said these things to you. Sorrow has filled your heart. So sorrow could fill your heart. But joy can also fill your heart. John 16, verse 22 says, Therefore you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice. Your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will be able to take from you. Your heart could have sorrow, but your heart could have joy. You can have peace. Your heart can have peace. John 14, 27 says, My peace I give to you, not as the world gives it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So your heart can have that peace. Your heart has a conscious, a conscience. I don't know how to speak English. Conscious. C-O-N-S-C-I-E-N-C-E. Conscious. Acts 2.37, it says, when they heard this, they were pricked or convicted to the heart, cut to the heart. Your heart can have a conscience. Your heart can also be shared, and it can have simplicity. Acts 2.46 says, they shared in all things, continuing daily in one accord. With gladness and simplicity of heart. There was a unity, a sharing amongst one another. A teamwork, if you want to say. A, a getting along. Not the same across the board, but a one accord. With gladness and simplicity of heart. Now, Satan has access to your heart too. Acts 5.3, Peter, talking to Ananias, says, Ananias, Satan has filled your heart. And who's Ananias? Some super wicked murderer who just did horrible things. No. Who did, whose heart was filled by Satan in this? It was Ananias, a guy from church. Did the church things that everybody did. But there was a little lie in his heart. There was a, a truth he was keeping back. And it had to do with the, some setting of some land. And he didn't give the money. And he tried to make it look like he was doing something else. All of it could have been avoided. But if he had just told the truth, there was nothing wrong with what he did. Except that he was lying about it. And a little lie, just as insignificant as a math number. Man, it could devastate your heart. Peter, if he was here and, and he would have a word of wisdom, he would tell you, oh, that little lie, Satan has filled your heart. That's not a little lie. A lie is a lie. Truth is truth. Man, we can't disguise it. We can't make excuses for it. We can't pretend like it's not there, hoping it'll go away one day. A lie is a lie. Evil is evil. In James 4, 17, it even says, if you know to do good, and you don't do it, to you it is sin. It goes beyond just evil acts. It goes to even the fact that like, hey, and in Proverbs, I think it's chapter 4, it says, or, or maybe 3, if it's in your power to do good, it says do it. And sometimes we know to do good, it's in our power to do good. And selfishly, we don't do it sometimes. And it says, man, that's, that's sin. To you, that was sin. Now, to someone else, they have their convictions. But a lie is a lie, sin is sin, cheating is cheating, 
Adultery is adultery. Sexual immorality is sexual immorality. Sex before marriage is sin. Sleeping around is sin. This was this union that God designed. It's a beautiful thing. One male, one female coming into holy matrimony. And the word of God says anything outside of that too. Anything man has created, no matter what, no matter what it identifies as, we got to see that the word of God is the authority. The life in the womb is God's. That's a life. He says in Jeremiah, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. In the womb, God knows that individual. It is an individual. And remember, God is a God of love and he's a God of forgiveness. And I'm just, I'm saying from for us to think about now. But again, that, that life in the womb, it is a life. And there's no other way to define it or see it. It's not a blob of tissue. It's not a life when it's out of the womb. It was a life in, it's a life out. These things are as they are because God said they are. If I want to try to figure out why, I'm just going to wait to heaven for that part. I don't, I don't know some things. How do, some of these things that seem so unjust, why do these things happen? And I, I'll, find, I'll find out. But, but I know God has put an order to, to this life. And, and, and again, there's forces. There's evil forces, algorithms, and curated messages on our apps. And all these things that they all want your attention. Everything. They want your attention. And we can't be passive about it. Or against them. And I'm not saying any of these things because it's a political right statement or a political left statement. Or anti-technology modern life statements. I'm saying these things because we need to ponder the paths of our feet. And it involves our soul. It involves our life, our heart. We must guard our hearts. We have to. We can't be passive about doing that. Something else about your heart, Acts chapter 8, verse 22, your heart could be forgiven. So maybe you are in evil, you, you sense that, man, I am not where I should be. Your heart could be forgiven. Acts 8, 22, it says, repent therefore of this wickedness and pray, God, if perhaps the thoughts of your heart may be forgiven you. Verse I mean, another thing about your heart, you can have a clean heart. Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Another thing about your heart, he knows your heart. God knows your heart. It says in Psalm 44, verse 21, that he knows the secret of your heart. That's the part you don't include when you say, oh, God knows my heart. No, but God knows the secrets too. God knows that. Why are we keeping it from him? Seemingly keeping it. Just, man, he wants to clean. He wants to forgive. Now, very interesting, and I'll end with this verse too. And if you have a, that Bible app, the, 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 the most widely used one, the Bible app that's on your phone. Uh, uh, it comes from, I think, Life Church or something. It's the main Bible app, right? It's, if you have a different one. But there was, it gives you a verse for the day. I didn't call them. I didn't tell them to put this verse there today. Did, you, did anyone 
Just maybe by a raise your hand. Did anyone open the, that app and see the verse of the day? You saw the verse of the day. It was Romans 10.9. It, like, it was meant to be with the teaching. It says, Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's awesome. But here are some simple ways, and this is the ending now. We'll end with this. Some simple ways to prevent cardiac arrest. To prevent cardiac arrest. I got these from WebMD, so you know they're true. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, they weren't from WebMD, but if you looked at WebMD, it's the same ones. They, they got it from somewhere. And, but these are just simple things. This isn't rocket science. Simple things to help us have a good heart, prevent cardiac arrest. You could probably guess them all. Number one is eat healthy. Eat healthy. Feed on the word of God. We're going to read us some verses there in Proverbs. So if you stayed in Proverbs, you're good. So Proverbs 4, verse 1, 2, and 4. Proverbs 4, verse 1, it says, Hear, my children, the instructions of a father, and give, atten- give attention to no understanding For I give you good doctrine, good food. Do not forsake my law. Verse 4, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words. That word literally retain means memorize, keep it in your mind, repeat it to yourself often. That's how you retain information. Sometimes write it down a couple times. Oh, but that's extra work. Why would I have extra work? Some of you have trouble memorizing If you know me, you know that I forget everything. I forget to write it down even to help me remember. (laughs) But it says retain the words. We would, Man, that's a good diet. A good diet. Feed on the word of God. Eat healthy. Another way to help us prevent that cardiac arrest is exercise, right? Exercise. Good cardio. Walking. Running. Don't live a spiritually sedentary lifestyle. On a side note, it took me like 10 times to say the word sedentary, sedentary to not mess it up, and I mess it up. <laughs> but, but just remember that word. That's like when you have um, like water is dirty and you shake it and just all, but then if you leave it for a while, all that dirt settles. Well, how did that happen? Because you did nothing. If you do nothing... Man, it's that sedentary life, the motion we got to walk. Proverbs chapter 4 there, verse 12 and 13, it says, When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. You know, your heart needs that exercise, that bit of resistance training. You need, your heart needs it. A sedentary life, just you doing nothing for your heart. And yet sometimes for our kids, I feel like we do this. We don't want them to be challenged because, pobrecitos, all the challenges we went through, if we could prevent them for our kids. No, they need to be challenged to have a good heart. They need to know that sometimes there's no reason why no is no. Sometimes they need that. Why? Today I felt like no. <laughs> Just because. And that challenges their heart and their little egos. And they want to, I need an explanation. No. And it's good. It's training for the heart. 
They don't need an explanation for everything. As a matter of fact, I'm not that smart. Sometimes I don't have an explanation for it. <laughs> but that challenge, right, in, in Isaiah, we love that verse. I love that verse. It says, you mount up with wings as eagles. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not faint. You know how eagles soar up in the sky? Because winds come against them. That's how they're able to soar. Not because there's little strings helping them. Oh, I'll help you. No, no, careful. I'll, I'll, I'll prop you up. There's times for that. But in a general sense, they, there's challenges that we need to make to build up a healthy heart. If I don't, in my mind, when I try to exercise, which is not as often as I should, I probably should more after this teaching, if I don't tell myself, go a little bit more, I gotta, uh, gotta get there, it's not doing nothing for my heart. This, two seconds, that did nothing for my heart. I mean, it's better than not having done anything, but you gotta, you gotta challenge, you gotta make the heart have some resistance, and then it builds and it gets stronger and it pumps more blood, and it's good for it. It's good for it. We need some of that resistance, that exercise in our life. So. The Lord gives it to us sometimes. We need to, as parents, we need to give that to our kids. Train them up when they're young. Training. Training is not giving them everything they want. There's no training in that. Oh, no, wait, I take that back. There is training. You're training them for something that's a lie because that's not how life is. Life does not give you everything you want. It's the opposite. We need to train them up. They're in our little life boot camp. You're the master sergeant at arms person that trains them. How is that training going? Another good, simple way to help prevent cardiac arrest. Now this one, we're like, some of us are like, oh, I'm good at this one. Good rest, sleep. That's also healthy too. It's not just push, 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 push. No, sometimes sleep is good. You know who doesn't sleep? Look at it right here. Look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 24. Nope, that's not. Uh, Proverbs 4.16. This is who doesn't sleep. This is talking about wicked and those doing evil. Chapter 4, Proverbs, verse 16. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil. And their sleep is taken away unless they, have, unless they make someone fall. Evil is the one that doesn't sleep. It, it goes after, and it doesn't matter what time of night. Temptation can come to you any moment, any day. It doesn't, it doesn't care. It doesn't sleep. It's relentless. But we, we, we need to sleep. We need to rest. In trauma care and when you're taking care, right, of, of people's mental health and, you're, you know, as we help law enforcement and firefighters, one of the questions that's a good indicator is, how's your sleep? I, have you been sleeping? When the answer is no, man, that means there's something up, you know? Now, here's, and it's very practical. Sometimes it's as simple as just talking about an incident. Man, tell me about it. Just talking about it is a stress reliever. It, it, it takes away that memory, that trauma from the uh, front part of your brain and puts it in the storage part. The act of talking about it does that. And it helps then as that memory becomes a memory or that event becomes a memory, 
and it helps you sleep. But sometimes it's there in the front of your brain, and you're, and it's, and you're thinking, what does the Bible say, right? Romans chapter 10, confess with your mouth. What does that involve? Talking about it out loud to God, to a person. God is the best mental health professional there could be. And nothing against those professions. There's, there's very intricate parts of our mind. But even surgeons, even the most uh, skilled doctor, who gave those skills? Who invented those mechanisms by which they work? God did. So we need to sleep. We need to talk to the Lord, confess with our mouth, talk about it. Another good, simple way to help prevent cardiac arrest is to lose weight, which comes by exercise too, but lose weight. Weight's not a good component for heart condition, for good heart condition. Careful what you take in. Now, careful with what you take in. Look at Proverbs chapter 4. When it comes to our spiritual heart, it's not just our mouth that takes stuff in. Chapter 24 says, put away from you a deceitful mouth. Put perverse lips far away, far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Let your eyelids look right before you. Have you ever, even with your eyelids closed, your mind is so evil that even evil thoughts can still come in. But even if I close my eyes, my silly brain doesn't stop. My eyelids, my eyes, that they would not be on evil. Verse 20 and 21, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. God's word, that's what we should be taking in with our eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Keep the words of God in the midst of our heart. The inlets of our body, right? Our ears, our eyes. What's the last thing we see at night? Is it the next post? And then you're scrolling and you're scrolling. And now you're already seeing the repeated things. You're like, oh, maybe there's something new. You know, you know that this action of scrolling is on purpose. It's addictive. It's an addictive action. And as a matter of fact, if, if you, people who deal with people with drugs, they fidget a lot with their finger. And they, they, they start going like this. And they start doing the, you know, the phone. It's, it's resembling those same things. Anyways, what is the last thing you see in your eyes before you go to sleep? What is the last thing you put in your ears before you go to sleep? I'm having more trouble. You're going to say it's because I'm getting older. I know. But, and some of you fall asleep with the TV. But I'm having more trouble watching TV as the last thing I do. It's getting harder and harder. I don't know why. I don't even think about nothing. I have a good ability to not think about anything. I don't know if that's good or not. In some cases, it's good. In some case, But still, it's like hard to fall asleep sometimes. And, you know. Reduce the last thing, reduce emotional stress. That's what they say. It's good for your heart. It's easy if I could just be like, oh, really? All right. Reduce. And it just the stress goes down. No, but again, it takes actions. It takes actions. John 16, 33, it says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. In the NIV it says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I don't know about you, but it is a stress-relieving thing to know God overcome the world. I don't have to. I just need God. Stress-relieving. 
emotional stress. He says, come to me, you who labor and are heavy laden. If you're laden with all this emotional stress, Jesus says, come to me. Some of us, to be honest, even myself, right? no, don't come to me with your stress. <laughs> that's, you, why do you want to give me all that stuff? But no, that's what we do, right? We, we, we're supposed to be, bear the burdens of one another. But, but you, God calls you to give those things to him. And then we'll end with that Romans chapter 10, verse 9. As the worship team comes up, we close in song. Right? We say worship. Why do we have come into church, sing some songs, teaching from the word of God, close with some songs? Well, that worship, man, it's, it's a preparation of our heart, right? It's a preparation of our heart as we get our thoughts on, on the Lord, we start putting our mind on, um, man, he was crucified, you know. We start putting our minds on giving him our heart. Here's my heart, oh Lord, right? That's, that's what these songs, right? We, we, hopefully, you're not just thinking about the songs, right? I, I mentioned that verse, ponder. That, we should be doing that throughout a worship song, throughout the teaching. We should engage our brain and think. And as we're singing the songs, we're thinking about them. And then as we close, the, it's not because the songs have an emotional, you know, minor chord that's going to just ooh, resonate in your heart. No, but it's a way that all of us together could put our thoughts, our thinking, ponder about God's amazing faithfulness, God's love for us. So what? So that we walk out of here feeling good for five minutes until you go have a triple Big Mac. It's not good for your heart. <laughs> your mouth is happy, but your heart goes, no! What is, it, what is it for? Why do we close with worship? Why do we close? And we don't have to. There's not, thou shalt close with worship. But man, it's so our heart would respond to the word of God. That then our life, as we go home, would be affected by it. And we would put some of these things into practice. That's like the people who go and they look into a gym. Wow. You did not get healthier. You need to go in the gym, get on the equipment, read the rules of those things, start doing them. If all, I mean, if all else fails, just, if you're going to go just want to look, at least walk back and forth while you're looking into the gym, <laughs> get some cardio. But it doesn't just happen. If you just let things just settle, your heart shrinks, it gets affected. You're, you're, you're going toward cardiac arrest. But you need to arrest your cardiac. You need to arrest, put a guard, keep those things, stand firm for them. And man, that is, says that the issues of life, the issues of the world as they come, Become the issues of your life and the things are coming out of your heart. And the world is giving you things and things are coming out of your heart. And man, that it's the Lord there in all those issues. You've guarded your heart. You've kept your heart so you could deal now with all these issues. So let's pray. We'll close in worship. The pastors will be up front for prayer. And then after the song, Lewis will pray and will be dismissed. But let's respond to the word of God. God, we pray, help us, Lord, to take these things to heart, knowing you have overcome the world, Lord. And God, that we would uh, not live 
Lord, um, passive, but Lord, we would be in action, Lord. That we, when we get to be 60, 70, 80, or maybe 15, 16, 17 years old, Lord, we are walking, we are running, we are healthy spiritually, Lord, wanting you, more of you. So we pray, Lord, stir our hearts toward the things of God. We confess our sin, Lord. We ask you for your forgiveness. Lord, we need you. And if anyone here hasn't, Lord, I pray they would today, Lord, come up for prayer and, and get their heart in the right place. Begin to guard it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Look.